0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike
1: Chappell and Dave Griffiths.
0: Hello, Colts fans far and wide. Welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. Dave Griffiths is enjoying some well-earned time off right now. He's down in Florida with the family, enjoying a break after a few busy weeks covering NCAA basketball. But I am joined by Mike Chappell. As always, Mike, how are you today?
1: Doing fine. A little wet and cool cool here, but we'll be thinking of Dave uh, Dave Griffiths and his getting sand in his toes.
0: Yeah, yeah. good for him, and I'm sure he gets some much-needed R&R before he has a busy month of May with the Indianapolis 500 coming up. But we are here to talk about Colts football today. We're going to grade the Colts offseason thus far, discuss how Indianapolis can address remaining concerns on the roster And break down offensive tackle prospects because there are just three weeks until the NFL draft. But first, we have some news to discuss. Two former Colts have announced their retirement. Bruce Arians, kind of a quasi-retirement. He's stepping down from the Buccaneers' head coaching job and will move into a front office role. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles takes over as a head coach. Arians, 69 years old, injured the NFL in 1998 as a running back coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was the Colts quarterback coach from 98 through 2000, Peyton Manning's first three seasons in the NFL. And he was uh, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in 2012 when Arians was the interim coach during uh, Chuck Pagano's fight with leukemia. He parlayed uh, that. You know, performance as a head coach. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. He won Coach of the Year, and he kind of parlayed that into a new job with the Arizona Cardinals, um, which eventually down the road led to a job with the Buccaneers in 2019 after coming out of his first retirement. So who knows? Bruce might be back. Uh, but he became the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl in 2021 after the 2020 season. Mike, heck of a career for Bruce Arians. And I guess my question to you is – Future Hall of Famer.
1: Good question. Uh, it would partially be on his history as a as a assistant coach and coordinator. I think that'd be the whole resume. But some of the guys we've put in, I think, well, why not Bruce as coaches? So I, I like the idea. It would be a, a very spirited debate, mostly positive. And again, as people have noted, one of his one of his calling cards is how he's, he's really extended the diversity hiring. He's been at the forefront. So uh, it, very interesting. I just I go back to when, in 98, when Peyton came in, and, and that was my first association with Bruce. And uh, the first couple training camp sessions is Peyton was sort of uh, hesitant to throw the football. And Bruce would say, son, why didn't you throw the ball to Marvin Harrison?" He said, well, he wasn't open. And Bruce said, "No, in the NFL, that's open." So he, he sort of had to reschool Peyton on how to play the position. But boy, his he's been something of a quarterback whisper with his quarterbacks, uh, with with Roethlisberger all the years, and in Peyton and Carson Palmer, and he had the stint with Tim Couch that didn't work out so well, uh, and Tom Brady. So great guy. It's he's one of the few guys in the league I. I I call a friend because we go back so far. I had a chance to talk to him at the Combine. And just a really, really down-to-earth guy who speaks his mind, sometimes to a fault. I mean, he'll, he'll tell you what's on his mind. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, and Hall of Famer, that that will be very interesting when the time comes to, to discuss Bruce Arians as a Hall of Famer because his resume says maybe so.
0: Another guy with a terrific resume. Frank Gore has announced his retirement at age 38, 16 seasons in the NFL, 241 games. He spent three years with the Colts from 2015 through the 2017 season, rushed for nearly 3,000 yards, uh, had almost 800 yards receiving as well, 19 total touchdowns during his time in Indianapolis, and he never missed a game known for being extremely durable Frank Gore is third all-time in rushing with 16,000 yards. He has nine 1,000-yard seasons during his career, one with the Colts. And his 100 total touchdowns are tied for 23rd most all-time. Tied with Franco Harris and Curtis Martin. Happy retirement to Frank Gore. Well-deserved. You wondered if it was ever going to come. He's been one of the oldest running backs in the league for several years now. I don't think he played last season, was never able to find a team. But I'll pose the same question, uh, slightly different. I, I think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. I don't think that's that big of a hot take. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer?
1: I always, I, I'm on the committee, as we've talked about. When you talk first ballot guys, it, and it sort of oversimplifies it, is you almost have to stand up, say the guy's name, and sit down. And if you have to do more than that, then you can really argue he's not a first ballot guy because I think we've been way too generous on first ballot Hall of Famers. And another box that I always want to check is was he the best at his position ever? And maybe one year Frank was, maybe one. He's the guy that you look at it and if you watch him play and you go, you take years you want to say probably not a Hall of Famer, but then you look at the at the body of work, at a position that guys get hurt, they get worn down, you know, running backs for four or five years, six years if you're lucky, and what he did, and again the fact that he's third overall, sixteen thousand, he's a Hall of Famer. I I would I would probably need convincing to say first ballot, just because again he, he was never the best maybe one year at his position. And I think you just need to be, you need to be that guy for a couple years. And he wasn't. But then again, you look at the body of work and he just wears you down. And I was looking here, his, what's his career yards per attempt? 4.3. That's good. That That's not bad. Now I tailed off at the end where the last five or six years, it's three, eight or three, nine hall of famer. Yes. First ballot. I would need to have my my arm bent to go first ballot.
0: I'm sure it would depend what the rest of the you know True. guys he was competing against look like in there, from one former Colts running back to another. Marlon Mack has signed with the Houston Texans. Contract details are still unclear, but I would have to imagine it's probably a one year deal,
1: two or three million max, something I
0: mean. like that. Yeah, a guy uh, Mack was inactive for much of last season. After he returned from an Achilles injury, it's kind of surprising he resigned with the Colts, but that was a good place for him to kind of get fully healthy again. Tore that Achilles in Week One of 2020, so hopefully for Mac, who is a former 1,000-yard rusher in 2019, he can kind of come back, claim the head of that backfield for Houston, kind of reestablish himself as a starting running back in the NFL. Max still just 26 years old. You look at the rest of that backfield in Houston, Rex Burkhead, Royce Freeman, Dare Agunbawale had to slow down on that one. Easy for you to (laughs) say. But that's a very very good opportunity. I, I don't like that he's in the AFC South. It makes him harder to root for. But I'll root for him the other 15 games that he's not playing for the Colts because he could really get his career back on track.
1: Yeah, I think it's okay to root for him because I think the rest of Houston is going to be so much trash. It's not going to matter. But it's this is the guy you do root for. I mean, he, he comes back from the Achilles, and who's there? Well, Jonathan Taylor. So it just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work. And then he tears the Achilles, and he comes back. And, again, last year gave him a chance to kind of get all the way back. And... The, the one silver lining, one of the silver linings of that Achilles and the way it's played, he's got fresh legs. I mean, he's he's what had probably 15 carries the last two years holding that season opener. He had a few carries last year, I believe, didn't he?
0: I think, I want to say 24. Right.
1: So, so again, not a wear and tear, but a great opportunity, great guy, and this is a guy you hope finds something somewhere else.
0: Another Colt to find a new home. Chris Reed signed with the Minnesota Vikings. It's a two-year deal, but I have not yet seen details regarding the money. He'll turn 30 in July, started six games for the Colts last season and did a pretty darn good job filling in for Quentin Nelson and Mark Lewinsky at times. Uh, Colts, Mike, at this point, it's determined that they will have a new starting right guard in 2022 because – Glowinski, as we've mentioned in previous shows, has signed with the Giants. We'll talk about offensive line depth a little later in the show, but are you surprised Chris Reed wasn't someone that the Colts brought back after they lost Glowinski?
1: Yeah, we never get much uh, inside information ahead of time as far as what did they not want him back? Did they they want him and he he wanted more money? I saw where he wanted to go back to uh, the Minnesota area where he's from. I think he went to college. You and I were talking off-air about where it was, and I, I don't remember what college he went, he went to. Um, Minnesota State. Just looked at Minnesota State. I would like to have seen them have him back. I, I know they they like Danny Penner, and you want to, you know, given every, if everything's equal, you want to go with your draft pick because he's going to be less expensive for two or three years. But losing Glowinski and, and Reed and Eric Fisher to this point, we'll talk about it later. Their offensive line is extremely thin, extremely thin with two new starters. So, uh good luck to Chris Reed. And one thing to keep in mind, I was hoping they brought Glowinski back, which he was he got a decent contract, 3 years. I think it was like 20, 20 million. 20 million 20 something million. And who knows how it was structured. It was probably 7-8 or 8 million this year. So, but but that wasn't going to happen and as we've talked, when you have money sunk in Left guard, center, and right tackle, something's got to give. And I believe they gave uh, Matt Pryor one year six million, five and, five and, half, and a half, million. six million. Yeah. So something's got to give, and right guard's got to give. But you know, if you think you can get by with this starting lineup, you sure the heck better start addressing the backup situation.
0: One more Colt to depart Indianapolis defensive tackle, Taylor Stallworth signed with the Chiefs. It's a one year deal. Have not yet seen the details as far as how much money. He spent a solid two years with the Colts and was a nice rotational piece along that defensive line. Kind of established himself as the uh, third defensive tackle for that Colts rotation there. And had a career-high three sacks this past season. So Stallworth is another guy they're going to have to replace along the interior. Obviously, their two starters are set with Buckner and Grover Stewart but you always want to have depth uh, to keep those guys fresh, and if one of them goes down and misses a few games, you need a solid backup. Now, a backup that the Colts have brought in, they finally signed somebody, uh, only their second outside free agent signing, safety Armani Watts from the Kansas City Chiefs, not exactly the Chiefs safety uh, Colts Nation is hoping for, but it's a uh, Chief safety that Colts Nation gets, at least for now. Contract details not yet available. Fourth round pick of the Chiefs in 2018. Watts has appeared in 62 games, including the postseason, but has just one start in four seasons. Really a core special teamer for Kansas City. Over 77% of his career snaps have been on special teams. Mike, what are your thoughts on the signing?
1: He he replaces George Odom as we talked before off air. This is this is George Odom, and I would argue that they should have resigned George Odom with a contract. I don't. It wasn't a massive contract by the Niners. I think it was, but it's again. It, this really is going to help their special teams. But what does it do at safety with one start? And as you noted, it's it's almost a thousand snaps on special teams and it was like two 290 or whatever on, on defense. So even if you project him that, that he can be that third or fourth safety, keep in mind that, again, Kari Willis, solid, very solid. Blackman's coming back from the Achilles, and you just don't know. So you, you, could, you could be looking at needing a starter in September. And if that's the case, he's probably not here yet.
0: Yeah, someone who – Maybe that starter does end up being Tyron Matthew. I know there's a lot of smoke on Twitter connecting Matthew and the Colts. Um, He recently visited the Saints. I want to say yesterday, which would be Tuesday. We're recording this at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. Um, So Matthew visiting. I think that's the first free agent visit he's taken. I have not seen any news that he's come to a deal with the Saints. So maybe nothing will come of that. Colts Nation can keep their fingers crossed for the star safety landing in Indianapolis. And uh, you know what? Maybe his buddy Armani Watts does a little bit of recruiting um, now that he's with the Horseshoe. Let's move on and kind of take a look at the Colts' offseason thus far. We're going to give our grades for how the Colts have done. Pro Football Focus uh, recently put something out, ranking Denver and Indianapolis as being the most improved teams based on off-season personnel moves made to this point. Mike, you wrote a great article on Fox 59 and CBS4Indy.com kind of detailing that uh, while the moves they have made have been pretty substantial, the two the two big moves they've made, there's a lot of holes on this team. So let's break it down. Additions, not a whole lot. Quarterback Matt Ryan acquired via trade. Defensive Indianic Ngakwe acquired via trade. Then they've signed cornerback Brandon Faison and safety Armani Watts. The team retained tight end Mo Ali Alley- Alley- cox signed to a three-year deal. They also gave one-year deals to Matt Pryor, Taquan Lewis, and Zaire Franklin to come back to the team. Let me take a big breath here because now I'm going to go through their well, they, they losses. Also, they,
1: they also extended uh, an exclusive offer to Ashton Doolin. That's right. So, so, he he'll, so he'll be back? Restricted free agent. Restricted, I mean, not restricted. Um,
0: who they brought back. As far as Lawsons, obviously, they they traded away Carson Wentz. They traded away Rocky Sin. And in free agency, they lost Mark Lewinsky, Chris Reed, Zach Pascal, al Muhammad, George Odom, Taylor Starworth, and then Jack Doyle also retired. Several Colts free agents are still unsigned and could come back to the team, including Eric Fisher, T.Y. Hilton, Xavier Rhodes, and defensive end Komoko Terray. The Colts currently have the third most cap space uh, per spot rack and overthecap.com with about twenty two million dollars. So, Mike, at this point in the Colts offseason, they 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 did what they thought they had to do at quarterback. Um, you know, I think it's an upgrade. I think I've heard you say you think it's an upgrade. Dave would argue with us, but um, they've landed that big pass rusher that we've talked about. is so important. It was just really a big hole that was uh, glaring for the team last year. But several concerns remain, including wide receiver, corner, and left tackle. What grade would you give the Colts at this point in the offseason?
1: At this point, and, and are, anyone's grades would depend on one factor. Are you a Wentz guy or are you a Ryan guy? That's totally, I mean, that, that's how you skew it. I'm a Ryan guy. I give him a B plus, and yeah, and we're going to go down all all the holes and concerns that they've got. And the only argument I'm going to make is it's it's still the first week of April, and they've got time. Now I don't like the way that they're doing things, but at this point, w- when you're checking off boxes in the off season, to me, number one was quarterback. Do something at quarter. Make a decision at quarterback. They they've upgraded again short term. Two years, probably. I don't know if they go to three because the third year would get expensive, I mean, real expensive. Two years
0: would be long term for Colts quarterback and at that, this point. That's true.
1: That's true. Uh, and in pass rush, so, so to me, they they've addressed their two most pressing needs with upgrades. So, uh, and again, realizing they've still got time to address the other situations, I give them a B plus. In my mind, this is a a better it's hard to explain. It's a to me, it's a better team because you got a better quarterback and you got a pass rusher, but the roster is not as good. If that makes any sense,
0: yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. I, B plus is what I had as well. I was just talking to one of my coworkers before you came in. He would give him a B, but we're basically on the same page as far as the impacts of quarterback and an edge pass rush are so big that being able to check off those boxes. Um, really, you know, gives them a high floor as far as what their grade was going to be. Um, But I think to get an A-plus from me by the end of the offseason, they need another wide receiver, at least one more significant starting wide receiver, whether that be a veteran or a rookie through the draft. I would like another cornerback brought in as well, either that be a high rookie taken in the second or third round or maybe i'd really like a veteran just because of how proven or unproven i mean their outside cornerback spot is isaiah rogers has played very very uh encouragingly the past year or so i'm excited for him as a full-time starter but you just don't know he's not been that full-time starter brandon face on uh Started nine games last year for the Raiders, but really that was his first experience being a full-time starter. Has not done it for a full season yet. I would really like to see a veteran brought in. Maybe a guy like Stephon Gilmore if they want to spend money. Maybe an older veteran kind of more in the mold of Xavier Rhodes if they want to just bring in a someone who's done it before that they feel like they can rely on if Rodgers uh, or Faison isn't ready. Maybe a Uh, Kyle Fuller, Joe Hayden from Pittsburgh, somebody like that. Uh, Mike, I know you're still concerned about left tackle there. They could still bring back Eric Fisher or sign a Dwayne Brown. Maybe that's kind of what they're waiting on, why they haven't spent more of their money, because they have offers out there for free agents who are still mulling over their options. Um, But when you look at the depth of this team, and while we're talking about it, let's just look at the offensive line because that is a place where I would say the depth is just not acceptable at nervous. this point. Yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah. So their projected starters, I'm fine with. Uh, I like Matt Pryor um, at left tackle. I kind of like Isaiah, Isaiah Rogers. I'm kind of excited. He played – he was encouraging last year, and I think he could establish himself as a good starter this year. Um Obviously, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly in the middle. Danny Pinter would take over at this point at right guard. And then Brayden Smith is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. But when you're looking at depth, there's only one guy, one offensive lineman on the roster who's ever started an NFL game. That's tackle Sean Coleman, who they just uh, signed to the practice squad in January. But he hasn't played an NFL game since 2017. He's dealt with injury issues and All kinds of stuff since then. Former third-round pick of the Browns. Um, The only guy to play in a game at all last season is Will Fry, seventh-round pick in last year's draft. Um, Did
1: did he play Arizona game? I can't remember what game it was. It
0: was Arizona, and then he got in at the end of the Houston shutout. Um, So he played in two games, and that was it. Arizona game was really the only significant playing time where the game was still within reach. Um, other guys on the roster, Carter O'Donnell, an undrafted free agent from 2020. He's never played in an NFL game. And then they also have Jordan Murray on the roster. They signed him to a reserve future contract in January. Um, he went on draft in 2019 and has since spent time playing in Canada, but he's never really stuck with an NFL roster either. So looking at how poor that depth is, Mike, Uh, you got to hope that there's another free agent signing or two down the pipeline for that offensive line.
1: I went back and looked and they, they started 10 different starting offensive lines last year, 10. And there were times that the the, the line wasn't up to snuff, but they had enough depth to where they could deal with it. And keep in mind that by this time last year, they they had signed Julian Davenport. They had signed Sam Tevy, and they were both really high on those guys. Both of them, we we could argue you know they, they didn't work out, but at least they brought in guys who had started extensively previously, and that that's that's why I say I give them a B plus right now, but if we're sitting here going into the veterans mini camp in in June, and you've got this starting offensive line plus who I I just you're gonna you're gonna sign you're gonna draft a guy because you always draft a lineman. But I just, until they add a couple of veterans, whether it's a Dwayne Brown to play left tackle, whether it's a guy who's played and maybe he challenges Matt Pryor, for all that Chris has talked about, depth on the offensive line, depth on the defensive line, because they need 8, 9, 10 maybe at each spot. Right now they've not done that. And, and I understand not paying the Christian Kirks of the World stupid money. I understand that. But the longer you wait and hold your line on what you're willing to pay, you're gonna you're gonna pay less, but you're gonna get less. It's it's just it's just supply and demand. So I give them a B plus right now. I may change my mind in six weeks.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to see offensive line depth would need to be addressed for me to, you know, change my grade to an A plus Another depth area of concern is uh, the defensive backfield. We've kind of talked about at cornerback, obviously Kenny Moore man's the slot, but Isaiah Rogers and Brandon Faison are the two guys penciled in to start on the outside right now. When you look at the depth on that team, it's not very encouraging. They have Marvell Tell, who hasn't played since his rookie season in 2019, Anthony Chesley, who appeared in nine games for the Colts last year, zero starts. Chris Wilcox, who spent last year, his rookie season, on the practice squad. Will Redman, whose starting experience, came uh, in the form of five games with the Packers from 2019 to 2020. And Tony Brown, who appeared in 13 games with one start for Cincinnati last year. Um, Safety depth, not much better. They have a Marnie Watts, and really that is about it in terms of backup safeties. So really, I mean, I don't feel great about the starting cornerbacks. I don't feel great about the cornerback depth. But when you look at the depth of that safety position with Blackman coming off an injury, you got to think they have something else in the works at safety. you got to bring somebody who you feel decent about starting a few games if they have to this year.
1: Yeah, and again, we have to have patience, I guess, which is hard to do this deep into free agency. Because again, like I say, at some point the talent pool is deplenished. But I. if it was just one position they had to address with starter quality or depth, I wouldn't be too concerned. But we're talking four or five areas. We're talking offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, safety, tight end, receiver. And you can address some of that in the draft. You can. You can take a couple of receivers uh, in the second and third round if you want. You can take a corner early. So I just I, – Again, it's it's not like these guys are sitting out there playing playing Texas Hold'em and not play not addressing their team. It's just that this is dragging on longer than it normally does. When we looked, whatever's been a month, two months ago with their their free agent class, there was like twenty two, twenty four guys. Very few that you'd say, boy, they need this guy back. Very few, but that group really addressed the depth the overall quality of the roster and when you lose so many of those guys to think you can you can address that with what is it, seven draft picks to this point I think and, and undrafted free agents after the draft it's just risky because I go back to the idea that that they've agreed to guarantee Matt Ryan $54 million over the next two years that's not to be a a 6-11 team. That's to contend. Well, why would you... It makes no sense to invest so much at quarterback. And we haven't even talked about, should they bring in a backup quarterback? Which, they should.
0: They're getting signed up, too. I mean, Andy <laughs> right. Dalton signed with the Saints. Right.
1: We're, we're, we're so preoccupied with who the fourth and fifth receiver is and who's your fourth corner. Well, who's your second quarterback? Sam? You know, I, I don't know. So, again... Without being a company guy, to some level, you have to be patient to see what they're doing. But when there are so many areas still to be addressed, the window is is not closed, but closing on how you do that. Not not with bodies. They'll find bodies. You can always find bodies. But with people that you feel like you go out there in September and compete right away. And right now, they got four or five areas that you really have serious questions about.
0: Yeah, the, top, the top area of concern for me is still wide receiver. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr., they got something good in him. He had 1,000 yards in year two last season. But of the returning wide receivers on the roster, the Colts wide out group minus Michael Pittman Jr. combined for 28 catches for 387 yards and four touchdowns last season. Uh, it's It's practically combined 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 Uh, i don't want to call it practically nothing but when you think about it being combined it's practically nothing there are a few decent free agents available we've talked about julio jones odo beckham jr who's coming off the knee injury and then jarvis landry as well ty hilton ty hilton is still out there um but mike what about another trade the colts seem to when they make a splash do it through trade matt ryan ngakwe deforest buckner um the patriots uh over the weekend just traded for miami wide receiver Devonte parker they gave up a third round pick for parker in a fifth uh parker has a two-year contract he's about six million dollars per year so solid deal for new england uh they get a talented player but he has struggled to stay healthy what if the colts make a similar move Or maybe an even bigger move. There are some receivers rumored to be available via trade. They include Seattle's D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans. Um, When you look at these three guys, Mike, is there anyone that really just jumps out to you as a fit for the Colts, as someone who you think they should maybe wouldn't be a Colts guy? I mean, Metcalf is obviously the youngest of the threes, 24 entering the final season of his rookie deal, he's got over 3,100 yards and 29 touchdowns in his three seasons. But if the Colts trade for him, they're going to have to pay him after this season, and he's probably going to demand at least 20 million per year. We've seen all the big wide receiver contracts given out to Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, and I think just today, Stephon Diggs was signed to a huge extension. Uh, is Metcalf the guy? Should they go for an aging star like Lockett or Cooks? What are you thinking here?
1: There's a better chance that Chris Ballard will pay me $3 million to play right guard than there is he's going to pay $20 million for a receiver. It's not going to happen. Uh, and and, and that's, that's where the market has is going, or is at. It's not going is where it's at for receivers. I've always liked Tyler Lockett. Uh, and I like Brandon Cooks but Tyler Lockett has been extremely productive and you've got here his cap numbers are 10 million this year 167 and then 23 and 23 or almost 24 those last two years would be would have to be redone obviously but 10 million this year and 167 next year that's more than reasonable for a player i realize he's 29 and it seems like when whenever the you hit the big three o, alarms go off. At least it did with Ty. I, I would, I agree with you that that's the one area. But that that's that's providing that, that Matt Pryor is the answer at right tack or at left tackle. I I still think if you haven't got a left tackle, your off you, your offense sort of is paralyzed. But again, don't don't invest so much money in a quarterback. And then see, we're going to give you Michael Pittman and two draft picks. That that's just ridiculous. That's no way to do it. So I wouldn't rule it out. I realize Chris Ballard loves draft picks. I, I understand that, but I think they're at the point to where they need to, to to look more at getting that proven player again, sort sort of like a DeForest Buckner, certainly not to that level with the first round pick, which which they don't have. But I, I would not be the least bit opposed to trading. For a proven receiver, and because you 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 just can't let another season go like they did last year, and not have the right people in the right places.
0: Yeah, I, I would all be all on board for Tyler Lockett or Brandon Cooks. Uh, Brandon Cooks back to back years with the thousand yards and six touchdowns in Houston. That's pretty impressive considering who his quarterbacks have been the last couple of seasons. Um, He's 28 years old, so he's actually younger than Tyler Lockett. I think he came into the NFL extremely young. Uh, I don't think he could even legally drink a beer when he was drafted by the Saints way back in the day. I don't think Metcalf is happening. I don't think uh, Chris Ballard wants to hand out a massive contract, like he said. And also, I would imagine Metcalf would be the priciest as far as compensation. The Colts are already dealing without a first-round pick. Uh, maybe they can get one of these veterans for a low draft pick. I mean, we just saw Amari Cooper traded for a fifth-round pick uh, just about a month ago, and I think we would both rank Amari Cooper over Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks. So if Seattle or Houston really wants some cap relief, maybe uh, maybe they'd take a fourth or a fifth rounder to get one of their wide receivers off the book, especially Seattle, you know, if they are going to re-sign DK. Maybe they really want to get Tyler Lockett's contract um, out of the way there. One more guy I'll bring up, cornerback James Bradbury. Cornerback's still a position in need. He's rumored to be available via trade, and I did see a report that the Colts have inquired. Um, I'm not sure if that was just a, hey, is he still available, if they're, how interested they are. Bradbury, a pro bowler in 2020, had a career-high four interceptions last season. And has at least three picks each of the last three years. Um, looking at his contract, per spot rack, the team taking on Bradbury uh, would inherit about $12 million next season, and he's in the final year of his contract. Any different feelings about Bradbury, um, or would you rather allot the money toward a wide receiver or left tackle?
1: Both. <laughs> both. <laughs> you can't do all three, but both. I, th- I think they've got, again, I'm as, I'm as guilty as anyone of getting of getting preoccupied with, with cap space. They've got 22 million. They, they can they can create another 30 million without even batting an eye by restructuring contracts and not taking pay cuts but just moving money around with guys that you know are that, that barring injury are going to be here the Buckners and Leonards and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly so th- they can do that so they can make it work and the owner has said, I mean many times even recently at the owners meetings that you know money's not an issue. You know again this is I, I keep joking this guy buys guitars at the drop of a hat. So he he will pay. Uh and whether you're 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 getting Bradbury on, on what's a one year deal and then you revisit it next off season. That's kind of what they did with uh, Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Rhodes wasn't that expensive wasn't Rhodes like one year 8 million the first year, 10 million. If that, if you're right, if that, I want to say
0: it was like 3 million his first year. Maybe it was, maybe it was more.
1: So, so that, that, that could happen. And, and I, I didn't hear all of the interview, but Ursa on Colts.com talked about uh, a, a major defensive player, which people automatically thought of Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew. So, so maybe it's someone else. And, and, Again, I, I don't know what Matthew would, would command, bunches, bunches, but he's a playmaker. Uh, I, I would be all in on a safety or a corner because we, we sort of – I'm sort of guilty, again, of being offensive-minded on acquisitions. But the more you look at that secondary, it's – they created part of this when, when they traded away Roxasin. They did. But as we've talked about, I'll trade away a corner – every day to get a proven pass rusher because the pass rusher will make corners better. But having said that, they, they've got serious depth issues and starter issues in the secondary.
0: Yeah. Um, I think we touched on it last week or say kind of hinting during an interview at the owner's meeting that um, Ballard is working on bringing in a significant player that would, he said, quote, excite some people. You got to think that's either Tyron Matthew, who's really the biggest free agent still available out there. He's taking his time. Um, He's got a command between 10 to 15 million per year, something of that range. I think he's 29. So maybe, you know, not a six year contract, but something like a three year deal.
1: And and again, that's like you said, that's kind of what they now this this would be a free agent, not not a draft pick signing, but they, when, when they've gone. Chips all in, sort of. It's been on a player that, that that has worked out as long as it's not a Carson Wentz. So they've got a pretty good track record of, of when they of when they focus on somebody. They generally get the guy, and it's worked out. Do you
0: get the feeling that the Colts are waiting for one or two more big signings so they know how much money they have left before they address the depth on the roster?
1: I want to say no, because the depth on the roster is going to, you're going to see one year, 3 million, one year, 4 million. I just, I think that's where the point in free agency that outside of a Dwayne Brown or outside of a Matthew or someone like that, the guys you're going to bring in are going to be that one year, three or $4 million. If that, if that, so I know I don't think money's an issue, but, but I, I just think again, with where they are they've got the cap space which again they can maneuver however you want and they've got the money to spend so i i am hoping with all of the areas it just it makes zero sense i'll just I'll, I'll die on this hill it makes zero sense to not address one of these positions with a proven player i don't i won't say regardless of the cost but even if, even if it costs you more than what you want especially if
0: it's a short term deal i mean You know, with Ursay's all chips in mantra, the Colts have a 37-year-old quarterback, a roster that's ready to win now, and leadership, Ballard, Frank Wright. I mean, everyone's kind of saying we're in a position to win now. I don't understand why you wouldn't, you know, kind of take more of a risk, maybe a player that, you know, isn't the long-term signing but might put you over the hump for a year or two while they compete um uh and maybe they will they're just taking their sweet time about it and you know how Chris Ballard works he has a number and if uh you know a player wants more than that number they're pretty much not going to get that player uh, we're at the point in free agency where teams and players are just being patient uh you know talk about the left tackles Dwayne Brown Eric Fisher uh, it could be into the summer before they're signed
1: they signed they signed Fisher after the draft it's, Remember how we talked last year about maybe they get that left tackle in the draft. And then as it turns out, Ballard didn't like the left tackle project or prospects in the draft. And then they signed it. They signed uh, Fisher in the first week of May, I believe it was. So in, in one thing, again, one thing I'm not sure he'll come that Chris Ballard will come off of is he does not like pushing money into the future, the dead money, so to speak. Uh, in, not saying that they're interested in title lock or, or whatever, but you mentioned his his contract: ten million this year, I believe that's guaranteed. I believe sixteen seven next year, and then twenty three nine twenty three nine, none of which I believe is guaranteed. Okay. So it's you know.
0: So it's kind of like the Carson Wentz deal where you're stuck with him for two years, and right. then after that, and this one it
1: looks like you're stuck with him for a year.
0: Oh, only the first year's guarantee? I believe
1: unlock. so. I believe so. Okay. So that in, in that regard, it, it's not that risky because he's been a proven guy. So I, I I do think they'll try to avoid those contracts where you can do the void years to, you know, the who was it, Taysom Hill? He's had okay. one of the most creative multi-contracts I've ever seen. Because at some point, at some point, teams have to account for money. You can kick the can down the road all you want, but in three or four or five years you you have to you have to account for it but I think they really think it hamstrings you when you've got ten twenty forty million dollars in dead money so but that that doesn't mean that you don't go out with these one or two year deals and get somebody that that's played at a winning level a high level to help your team now
0: yeah i would uh I would absolutely love Tyler Lockett. On the Colts, I think he compliments Michael Pittman Jr. perfectly. Uh, his deep speed ability to win the deep ball uh, down the field would really open up this offense and really m- might take a man or two out of the box for Jonathan Taylor when trying to run the ball as well. We'll have to see what happens. Let's go ahead and transition now to our NFL draft primer. This week, we are breaking down offensive tackles. Uh, let's just start with the guys that the Colts are not going to get because there's about four offensive tackles who are virtual first-round locks. They include Evan Neal from Alabama, Iki Ikuanu from NC State, and Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Those three guys might all be top 10 picks. Then there's Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa who I would probably bet is going to be a top 20 pick. And then you get into the players that the Colts might be able to get with the 42nd overall pick. Or maybe they move up a few spots in the second round. Players who could go within the Colts range. We'll start Tyler Smith from Tulsa. He's really a gifted athlete, powerful, nasty mauler. But he's raw and he's projected as more of a right tackle slash guard type than your kind of Prototypical left tackle, the guy who can protect the quarterback's blind side, those dancing bears who have the length and agility to stay in front of these freaks out there at defensive end. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on Tyler Smith, but really the top guy that I will break down here, Bernhard Raymond from Central Michigan, 6'6, 303, not the best length, 32 and seven eighth inch arms, and he'll turn 25 in September. This guy was a foreign exchange student from Austria, developed himself into a tight end prospect, and then during his third year at Central Michigan, moved from tight end to left tackle. He started six games in 2020, the COVID-shortened season, and then started the full season at left tackle in 2021. He, is, As far as pro football focus is concerned, Bernard Raymond is the second highest graded uh, offensive lineman this past season and allowed only 10 pressures. He was first-team All-Mac this past year. And looking at some scouting reports, NFL.com's Lance Zierlin writes, quote, Raymond's instincts and fundamentals at the position are still in the developmental phase, so bumps on the road are expected, but his best football is ahead of him, and he should become a long-term starter at tackle. NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah writes, Overall, Raymond has picked up the position incredibly fast and should be a reliable starter early in his career. Zerlin compared him to Sebastian Vollmer, a quality tackle uh, for the Raiders back in the day, I believe. Um, So overall, Raymond's pros is athleticism to play left tackle in the NFL and the idea that his best football is in front of him. Cons, he's still developing. He doesn't have great length. I wonder how many teams are going to knock him. That he'll turn 25 in September. It's not like he's this young guy who has a uh, you know could still develop. He's probably done growing and getting that much bigger at this point. Mike, going through all that, how would you feel about Raymond with the 42nd overall pick?
1: If you can tell me who the receiver is going to be, I'm I, I'm fine with the tackle, but I'm I'm again there are a few hills I'm going to die on on one of his receivers. Uh, and it's really hard to say which one is more pressing uh, because I know how important left tackle is, but we saw the what the how detrimental it was to not have receiving options last year. So I'm fine with the tackle at at 42. Tell me what you're doing at receiver two.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think I would much rather use. I've said for weeks now. I think that 42nd pick. The second-round pick should be used on a wide receiver.
1: It's supposedly another crazy deep draft on receivers.
0: Every year. Every year it's deep at wide receiver. I think all these seven-on-seven tournaments are really uh, developing some polished wideouts out there, which is a good thing for the league. Um, Raymond really, he's a borderline first-round pick and is really the only tackle I think would be worthy of the Colts uh, with the second-rounder because... There's a lot of guys who might be decent right tackles or guards, but do not have that prototypical skill set to play left tackle in the NFL. Um, w- one of those guys, Abraham Lucas from Washington State, uh, scouts have kind of projected him as a right tackle or guard in the NFL, um, although he did pass block quite a bit at Washington State, over 2,100 pass blocking snaps. Zerlin said, teams will need to balance the run game limitations against his potential success and pass protection when placing value on Lucas. Someone I do kind of like in the mid-rounds, maybe a third or fourth round pick, Nick Petit-Freer from Ohio State. Uh, he's got solid length, 6'5", 3'15", 33 and 5/8 inch arms. Really, if you can get to 34 inch arms or more, you're doing great. The closer to 34 inch arms, the better when you're talking about offensive linemen. Uh, Second team All-American last year. First team All-Big Ten. Playing time. He was right tackle in 2020. Moved to left tackle just this past season. Pro Football Focus wrote he allowed 19 pressures against Nebraska, Penn State, and Michigan combined, but only seven during his other nine starts combined in 2021. And part of his knock against him is his Uh, Inconsistency. Lance Uralen of NFL Network wrote, Talented athletic left tackle prospects who needs more time to develop before he's ready for next-level edge attacks. The Draft Network's Kyle Krabs writes, He's long, dense, and fluid as an athlete, offering a promising skill set for an NFL team to continue to tinker in an effort to reach his high ceiling.
1: Dense is more body top and Type and not intelligence. Correct.
0: Yes, body type. He's 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 hard to move off his spot. He's well built, sturdy fella, which is what you want out of a left tackle. I kind of like Fretier as maybe my second favorite left tackle prospects for the Colts. When you're looking at the mid rounds, it's not all together for him yet. Um, he might not be able to start right away, but there aren't a lot of guys with the tools to play left tackle in the NFL, um, and this guy might be one of them.
1: So it sounds like what, what you're we're sort of on the same boat where if they take a tackle, even second round, it's not going to be a guy who steps in and plays.
0: Unless he beats out Matt Pryor. I mean, get him into training camp and you'll see, but maybe take him not with the idea that he has to start immediately. And,
1: and my question is, do you think this team's in a position to where it can take a guy second or third round with the idea that he's going to be one of their guys in year two,
0: maybe third round is a different question. I think second round you're looking for a starter, especially a high second round pick with 42 overall. Um, what
1: was Michael? What was uh, Jonathan Taylor? 41, 42.
0: I think JT was 42. Michael Pittman was 34, 34 right behind T. Higgins. Yeah, yeah, and both those guys contributed right away. Um, another guy who's interesting. Maybe they could. He's probably going in the second or third round. Maybe they nab him with the third round pick. Daniel Feilele. I hope I said that right from Minnesota. This guy is monstrous. Six foot eight, 384 pounds, 35 and one eighth inch arms. He was first team all Big Ten this past season. And he's from Australia. Just started playing football about four or five years ago and became a starter at right tackle as a true freshman at Minnesota. Pro Football Focus writes he's improved his overall grade every year in college to an eventual 79.7 mark this past season. Um, It's a pretty solid grade as far as pro football focus is concerned. Uh, Zierlin writes, quote, enormous right tackle prospect who often feels like he's going through an internal checklist of movement movements rather than cutting it loose and playing. And Daniel Jeremiah writes uh, Faelele is a massive right tackle with surprisingly nimble feet and athleticism. Daniel Jeremiah compared him to Orlando Brown coming out. Zierland compared him to Zach Banner, former draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts. Quite a wide range there, but not too many men with his size. Um You know, you see a guy like Orlando Brown who coming out was, because he was so big, kind of projected as a right tackle, but has established himself as one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Um, You know, these bigger guys can sacrifice some movement uh, ability because they're so big that it's just hard to get around him. Maybe this is a guy the Colts feel like they can draft and potentially play at left tackle. I kind of doubt it, but if he's sitting there in the third round, I think Chris Ballard will at least think about Drafting a tackle like this.
1: And this is where I'll come back to the fact that they've been so quiet, relatively speaking, in free agency. It leaves them with, with issues. And will they be looking at the draft as starter quality players? Generally you want the draft to be the, the basis of your of your depth, especially the the, the the mid to later rounds. And now they're in position to you are kind of projecting, well, can this guy step in and play? You know, in the left tackles you've talked about, probably not. And most it seems like most of these guys, you, you sort of think they're they're better right tackles. Uh, and, and, and so we'll see, but... it's Kind of what
0: happens as you get right. deeper in the draft. The left tackle prospects That's go so in the first some, round. Somebody
1: had a, had a note that of the 32 left tackles, you know, like 80%. It
0: was like, yeah, 20 of them were first first round. Not breaks. only first round,
1: but but like top 15. Yeah. And if you go back and look at the Colts with their left tackles, I think Tariq Glenn was nineteen, I think, and Costanzo was was he twenty two, mid twenties.
0: Was twenty two. I remember the Patriots picked like right ahead of him right. that year, and they took Solder.
1: Right. So, so you know, if you're going to get your guy, you get your guy. If not, then you're you're getting guys who have the the old. But after after his description, you know, he's got this. He's got sizes, but. So, so we'll see. Uh, and again, may, maybe they'll they will. We can cross tackle off the list if they address that before the draft. Uh, so it, 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 we'll see. But but again, I, they seem to be so sold right now on Matt Pryor, or they're talking a good game. They will draft an offensive lineman. They just will because they always do. Although last year it was what Will Fries in the seventh round. And that was about it. That was it. And it's kind of like we were joking with Chris Ballard. He said, "See, I, I finally got my got my offensive lineman." So, uh, but but again, it's they will address offensive line. They will. It's you know, Chris Ballard is not blowing smoke when, when he talks about how important it is. I just not sure how high in the draft that will be.
0: Few more guys as we get a little deeper in the draft here. Max Mitchell, someone the Colts could maybe land in the third or fourth round. Uh, Played at Louisiana, 6'6", 307, 33-and-a-half-inch arms, so solid length. Uh, Accolades, AP, third-team All-American last year, first-team All-Sunbelt this past season. He's a three-year starter and has experience at both left and right tackle. Pro Football Focus writes, highest-graded offensive tackle in college football in 2021 with a 94.8 overall grade, only allowed 13 pressures on 400 30 pass-blocking snaps. That sounds pretty good to me. NFL.com's Lance Zerlin writes, Lauded by coaches and scouts for his toughness, consistency, and leadership, Mitchell has the athletic traits and hand quickness to make a living as a left or right tackle. And the Draft Network's Keith Sanchez writes, Mitchell shows athletic traits that translate to the NFL, but his success will be determined by his ability to gain upper body strength to not only be able to effectively block speed rushers, but also rushers who have an element of power in their game. Um, so this is a guy who really needs to add more play strength played at you know not the biggest quality of competition there at Louisiana, but everything that scouts are writing makes me say this would be a guy I'd be thrilled if the Colts landed in the third round as, or maybe even fourth round to develop as a swing tackle who maybe could potentially be your left tackle i um, big fan of Mitchell as we get deeper in the draft. Two more guys I'm going to break down here. This guy I th- see more as a swing tackle who, you know, with Matt Pryor manning your left tackle position, you kind of need a new swing tackle. Uh, Rashid Walker from Penn State, three-year starter at left tackle in the Big Ten there, 6'6", six, six, 313, 33 5 eighths inch arm, so he's got the length. Uh, Zerlin writes, Walker possesses enticing power and measurables, but has issues that could be challenging to correct if he stays at tackle. Goes on to sites concerned with his range and pass protection, overextending and giving up a soft edge to pass rushers. The Draft Network's Keith Sanchez writes, Mitchell shows athletic traits that translate to the NFL, but his success will be determined on his ability. Uh, I think I just pasted the same one. That's what he just wrote for Mitchell. So we will not hear what Keith Sanchez has to say about... (laughs) I apologize for that. But anyway, this is a guy with power, solid athlete, lots of experience at left tackle, just needs to clean up some things in pass protection. Uh, Maybe he's a guy the Colts see in the fourth or fifth round as a solid swing tackle. As uh, It's a very valuable position to have. And this guy just really strikes me. As a Colts guy, Zach Tom, two first names out of Wake Forest. He does not have great length 6'4, 304, 33 and one inch arms. Had one of the best performances at the combine, however. Athletic guy, playing time. He started at center in 2019 and then was Wake Forest's starting left tackle in both 2020 and 2021. Pro Football Focus writes, Tom is arguably the most athletic interior offensive line prospect in the class. He's so sudden in his ability to mirror, helping earn, him earn a 92.1 pass block grade last season. Zerlin writes, Tom was extremely impressive in pass protection at tackle despite a lack of desired size or length, but he's likely headed back to center in the pros. Um, so He's versatile athletic good in pass protection a smart player he had several academic accolades to his name cons length uh and a little bit of play strength needs to be get a little bigger but this guy reading through his scouting report doesn't he just sound like the next joe hagg i mean inside outside flexibility held up well at wake Forest at left tackle has played center they're projecting him as more of a center in the NFL if he's going to start. But he just seems like the guy the Colts could get and maybe the, I don't know, around the fifth round. If they really like him, maybe they take him in the fourth and just can play anywhere along the offensive line.
1: They've always had that guy that can play three spots uh, at the drop of a hat. And if Danny Pinner is your starting right guard, you need that guy who can play three inside positions, maybe in a pinch goes outside. So they always have that guy. You always need that guy. Like I said, I'd come back to 10 starting groups last year because of injuries and COVID. Uh, they will draft that offensive lineman. It won't be, it'll it'll be before the seventh round. This is the kind of guy you'd look for.
0: So there you have it. That is really a rough outlook at the offensive line class. I kind of took you through the first rounders, second rounder for the Colts, mid-round, and then later round picks. Guys who could become starters could become just a swing tackle or a great depth player. Uh, there are several good prospects at offensive line, specifically offensive tackle, in this draft class. So that'll about wrap it up for us on the Colts Blue Zone podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we are going to discuss wide receivers in our NFL draft primer. That's going to be a great show. There are so many talented wide receivers in this draft. Um, so, thank you again for listening. Please subscribe and download for us. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Mike on Twitter at MChapel51. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. And until we're back next week, you take it easy, Colts fans.